Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there. It is great that you are listening in today. I'm your host, Monique. You know, I'm in my final week of broadcasting from Spain, where I've been since May, having a great time. And this week, I'm doing a week of volunteer work with Vaughn Town, and then I'm headed back to the States. Now, you've heard me talk about Vaughn Town in the last couple of weeks, if you've been listening in. And Vaughn Town is an organization that provides English language services to Spanish business professionals and it's conversational English. So I've been a volunteer for Vaughn Town for a couple summers in a row. And that's what I'm doing this week is a week of volunteer work for them, working with a group of Spanish business people. And we're having lots of great conversation in English so that they can improve their English and their business English. And as a matter of fact, Richard Vaughn, the founder of Vaughn Town, has his own radio show called Richard Vaughn Live. And he interviewed me. We actually did two episodes and it was great fun. You will be hearing those episodes in August. I'm going to rebroadcast them on this program, August 10th and 17th. So you'll get to hear us chatting about all kinds of things, communication, communication in the business world, uh, coaching, Spain, all kinds of things. So it was a lot of fun and I'm excited for you to hear it. And also thank you for your continued interest in this show. I am really grateful for all of you because our ratings have been continuing to go up every single week. And that's because you are listening live, you are listening to the podcast, you are referring people to the live show and to the podcast. So that tells me I'm bringing you content that you are interested in and content that's much needed in the workplace. So I'm continuing on my mission of bringing you really informative guests and helpful content so you can lead better in the workplace. And a really common issue in the workplace is all the stress and responsibility for working parents. They juggle a lot between work and home, and it's hard for them to find any kind of balance. Leaders and organizations as a whole play a key role in supporting working parents. And my guest today will help us understand all the things that leaders and companies can do to help working parents be more successful. Deborah Porter's a sought after influential voice and media contributor on parenting and work-life balance. She's been an expert guest on Fox 5 DC, ABC Good Morning Washington, and CBS Virginia This Morning. Her work helps reduce attrition and the cost of turnover for businesses. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Monique. How are you? I am great. And I'm really looking forward to having you here today. So thanks so much for being here. And I was thinking just before we went on the air, I was thinking about my clients, my coaching clients. And I think about 
90% of my clients are working parents, uh, male and female, various ages. Many are also single parents. Can you break down for us what kinds of things these parents are juggling? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be able to be here. I think the different balls that working parents and caregivers are juggling are many. And some of those balls include just, number one, the balancing of it all. Another ball they're juggling is the one that gets thrown in, right? The wild ball, the unforeseen circumstances that happen out of the blue. The guilt and stress of feeling like they're working too much or feeling like they're at home and they want to be present with their kids, but they've got to return that email. They've got to send that last text for the night. The other ball that they're juggling is the workplace culture and the idea of not wanting to be that parent, right? I put that kind of in quotes, that parent that has to leave again or has another sick kid or that same kid is sick again. And then finally, the the career growth opportunities. There are many times that working parents and, and here probably working mothers are somehow penalized for now being a mother. We call it the motherhood penalty. But the flip side of that, in many cases, is the fatherhood bonus. As as men become fathers, their salaries tend to go up. Studies show that as women become mothers, their salaries either remain the same, or in some cases, they have to take other positions that cause them to have to take a decrease in pay. So that's that's some of what working parents are juggling. So there's really, I, I heard you say guilt. I heard you say that there's um, a lack of boundary between work and home. When they're home, they really want their mind to be at home, but they're double checking emails, they're maybe taking phone calls, things like that. So there, there really is this lack of boundary between work and home, right? Very true, yes. And would you say, I mean, the statistics that you gave were astounding that women's salaries go down when they become a parent and men's go up. I hadn't even realized that. And would you say that there's been any improvement over time to some of these things or are they just getting worse? I think there's been improvement over time for sure. I, I think that you know any study that we look at will show that there's absolutely been an increase in um, salary and opportunity for women. But I think what has happened, at least in this moment, is that the pandemic exposed things that women knew, right? Working moms knew, but it exposed the burden and the weight of not just the idea of working and then being a parent, but also all of those things in between, right? Because when the pandemic hit, all of that came home. And so suddenly this invisible load that working moms have been carrying and managing when all of it had to center at home and everyone became a stay-at-home mom at that point, working from home, 
that's when this really this bubble kind of burst. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy to say that we're at a point now where working parents are loud about it now. And and we're not just going along for to the for the get along or hanging up our parenting hat when we walk in the door. That's just not possible. Our lives and the different pieces and parts of who we are uh kind of uh intersect throughout the day. So I can't wait to be a parent when I get off. Anything could happen, right? The school could call. It, there's just any number of things that could happen. So yes, to your question, I do think things have improved. But yes, I also believe there's more improvement to be made. Do you think the pandemic brought attention to this issue because it did create this situation where everybody was working from home, even you know, whether they were male or female, did that shine a light on the problem? Oh, a huge light. And and some of us watched it play out, not only in our own Zoom meetings, but I don't know if you recall, but there was a gentleman, I think it was one of the major news networks that was in the middle of a very important conversation about, you know, uh, some of the work that the United States was doing in, in another country and his little child in a walker came barreling in the door with the toddler sister right behind. And so, you know, I saw that and I was almost happy that it occurred because this is the dilemma and this is the struggle for parents, for working parents everywhere. So yes, absolutely. The the pandemic definitely shone a huge light on just the many different balls that are constantly in the air for working parents. And let's talk a little bit about single working parents. Um, many decades ago, I was a single parent. I was, and I was also new to the workforce, new to the corporate world, a single parent with two toddlers, and I was 23 years old. And I remember on a daily basis being afraid that the the daycare would call and say my kids were sick and they had to go home, or there would be some kind of emergency with the kids and I would have to leave, or I would wake up during the night and one of them would be sick and I would have to call in. I remember it was a constant fear that caused a lot of anxiety. And even though that was decades ago, I, I guess I was fortunate to have been with a company that was pretty uh, understanding about things like that. And I, at the time I had flex time, I could work through my lunch and make up time and go home early. So. I was pretty fortunate and I never had anybody say anything to me about the many times when I had to leave to take care of the kids. But single parents have, you know, an additional burden. Can you say a little bit about those responsibilities? You're so right. The the single parent, uh, not only is that person juggling all these balls, but they have no one to even throw an occasional ball to in most cases or in many cases. And so they're juggling these balls day after day constantly. And the stress of that can begin to wear on the body physically, mentally, emotionally. And so when I work with single parents, single moms, in my cases, who I would be working with, there is this idea that creating a village 
that my village has to be somehow related to me or connected to me by family or in some other capacity. And really what I like to explain and encourage is your village may not be anyone that shares your bloodline, right? We live in a time now where grandma doesn't always live around the corner. And I don't know about you, but I'm not like my grandma when she was my age. I'm traveling. I'm out. You're in Spain, for goodness yes. sake, right? <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> so grandmas are not what they once were as, a, as it pertains to being available always, no matter what. So one of the big things that we really work on is creating what that village looked like. It may be mom friends. I had one single mom, and this was just such a gift. It turns out she bumped into her pediatrician in the elevator. They lived in the same condo. And <laughs> this pediatrician knew that this was a single mom who was having a hard time. And she literally said to her, look, if there's an emergency, like you can't call me if he's got a runny nose, right? But if there's an emergency, you can call me and I might be able to save you a trip into the office. This single mom lived in the city. It would have been a whole ordeal to get this baby up and, and to the doctor's office. So uh, my my goal is to help single parents to look beyond what would be considered a normal or usual village and begin to create what that looks like. The other thing I like to uh, encourage single parents is to always have a list whether mentally or written down of a couple of things so that if someone asks you, hey, can I help do something? Many times they'll say, no, 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 I'm good. Or I can't think of any. Always have kind of a couple or three things on your brain or on your mind that you know you could always use support and help with so that when someone offers, you take them up on it. That's important. It's important to be able to be that vulnerable to say, yeah, actually, I could use some help. And here's where it is. I love the concept that your support system does not have to be related to you. I I wish I had thought through that when I was 22, 23 years old. I had, you know, my parents didn't live close by. I didn't have a whole lot of time even to get to know my neighbors because as a single parent, I was constantly working, I was in school. Um, and so I think I think that is such a good point that you can have a, a community in other ways. And I know my, my oldest daughter, um, I've got two daughters, five grandkids. My oldest daughter has two children and her and her husband have a pretty good support system but they still are stressed. They still struggle. And many times my daughter says, I don't know how you did it as a single parent with two of us, you know, as toddlers, because yeah. we are still stressed out now, even though we have a good support system. So I, you know, I really love the uh, ideas you've given and the suggestions of what single parents can do. And I was mentioning to you prior to us going on the show today that just recently I've had a couple of clients who are single parents and they got extremely ill to the point where they had to be hospitalized and they felt so guilty about that and about missing work and about how that would be perceived that during their recovery time at home, they were working. They were answering emails mm, to keep yeah. from getting buried in, in the emails and now that they're formally back to work, their recovery time has been delayed because they've been working and not resting. Yeah, 
That's very common. And and it's unfortunate, but it's very common also during parental leave. Um, I, I don't like using the word maternity leave anymore because for some reason that seems to mean that dads don't need the time off. Mm-hmm. Parents need the time off. And so there is this slow switch from maternity leave to parental leave, but oftentimes it happens the same way. And I really like to encourage organizations and businesses to have some type of ramp off and ramp back on program or system in place, whether it's for, you know, the birth of a child or the adoption of a child or an illness, so that everybody understands and knows and respects that there is a thing called time off that is necessary for the body to heal, especially after a surgery or the birth of a child. And so, you know, the more that leaders take their full time off when they're recovering from something like what you mentioned or the birth of a child, the more that we see the leaders do it, the more normal it becomes. And so we're really talking about leaders being able to show up in their own humanity because that allows the folks that report to them to understand, oh, this won't be counted against me. Oh, I won't be looked at as that one that there she goes again. So we really need leaders to step into this too. Yeah, they need to set the example. And I think that gives everyone else permission mm-hmm. to, to know that it's okay. Uh, yes. Really great information. We have been talking to Deb Reporter about work-life balance, the responsibilities of working parents, the responsibilities of single parents. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump back into this topic and talk more about work-life balance and what companies and leaders can do to offer support. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Dagno, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking to Deborah Porter about the topic of working parents. Deborah, how is compartmentalization impacting single parents? Compartmentalization adds another level of overwhelm and stress. The idea that I have to close off one part of my life in order to function sufficiently in another or sufficiently to someone else uh, creates a certain level of stress because what you're doing is you're, you're hoping and praying all day that the school does not call, that the daycare does not cancel, that you know, if you're a caregiver, that mom or dad or whoever you're responsible for gets through the day without needing you. And so the idea of being able to, to walk in the door, whether it's a virtual door or an actual physical door to an office and hang up this caregiving or parenting hat to be able to do our work is just not possible. And so I just think the whole idea around compartmentalization adds a whole nother level of stress as opposed to being able to show up as our whole entire selves. I can I can be part of the team and a mom at the same time, and one doesn't cancel out the other. Well, that kind of leads me into, you know, I hear a lot about, all right, so there's the term work-life balance. And then you hear or you read about there's no such thing as balance. Okay, I get that. And they're using the term integration. Mm-hmm. So, and then you also hear, well, it's not work-life balance. It's not work-life integration. It's work-life management. <laughs> so are we just kind of dealing with semantics here? Is it all the same thing? And the the bottom line is that it's not possible. <laughs> balance, <laughs> integration, and management, it's not possible? Or what, what really are we <laughs> dealing with here? <laughs> I love that, Monique. Um, <laughs> so I, I respect each of those terms on their own, right? I think work-life integration speaks about, for instance, when my husband had to travel a lot for work, there were times that we would pull the kids out of school if it was a family-friendly resort and we'd go with him, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's more integration. I don't see that as balance. And so I think when we're talking about work-life balance, many people are envisioning our lives as a pie with every piece evenly split, and then we're serving it up. And I don't think that's the definition of balance that we need to be considering when we're talking about our lives. I think the other definition of balance that we need to incorporate here is the idea of each um, part all the different parts of our lives being in correct proportion to each other, not equal to each other, which means there may be something really big going on at work. And you know what? For the next week, I got to work late. And so having that give and take, right? So the balance is dynamic. It's not static. You don't just set it and it's fixed. It shifts, it moves, it changes with the demands of life and work. If I've got a sick kid at home and I'm a single parent, guess what? I'm up. That's 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 me all day. 
So how does work manage without me? So I like to use the word balance, but when I use it, I'm talking about different parts being in correct proportion, not being equal. I love how you explained that. That makes more sense than anything I've read or researched when you're talking about how it's dynamic, it's not static, and that there could be some days when you have to work late and you can't pay as much attention to the family, but then there's other times when you don't need to pay as much attention to work and you pay more attention to family. And there's kind of that flexibility. It's fluid, you know, in a way. And so do you think companies, organizations as a whole can contribute to that? I I think they're going to have to. Mm. And and I, I really think that, you know, as I said earlier, working parents are, are, are getting loud now. And there are certain things that are just not going to work anymore. We're not going back to 2019. And so the things that have been revealed, you know, I found it so offensive to hear people say there's a back to work. Um, policy in effect. Well, what do you think people have been doing all this time? Mm. So can we watch our terminology? Can you say back to the office? Or is there some way to offer, you know, some kind of flexibility or God forbid autonomy to allow people to determine and decide for themselves? We've clearly, you know, shown that for most occupations, many of them can be done remotely or virtually. So I think corporations are going to have to, because if they're wanting to not just attract, but retain top talent and close that back door of people leaving, some things are going to have to shift because 40% of the workforce are working parents. So something's going to have to shift. Yes. And in the with the clients that I work with, if any of them are looking for new jobs, that is something that is very high on their list of priorities, the the flexibility so that they can spend time with their families or work remotely. So I didn't realize, you know, the those numbers were 40%, but uh, I'm seeing it in coaching. Where would a company even begin if they, I mean, we we talked about they can offer some flexible arrangements, but what else can companies do if they want to offer support, especially if they want to start right now? Like what's one step they could take? So one step I would say right now that, I mean, you know, ideally, I mean, this is a giant step and not many places can do this, but childcare, right? If you've got office space and your folks are mostly remote, because a lot of folks are like, we got all this office space we're paying for. Can you begin exploring what it might be like to offer childcare? That's a big step. Now, a smaller step that corporations could take literally right after listening to this is begin to bring in some support for your working parents. Can you host a webinar for working parents on work-life balance? Can you bring in an expert like me or someone similar to what I do around what does it look like to actually set up these systems? What does it look like to build a village? How do I manage the imposter syndrome that I feel at home because I know I'm not 100% there and imposter syndrome at work because I know I'm not 100% there? How do I manage that? And the idea of allowing the experts to come in frees up everybody, leaders included, to be able to attend. What if a company wants to start taking these steps, but they can't? 
maybe there's budgetary constraints or they don't get support from further up the hierarchy, what can they do? Yeah, that's, that's, well, I would say first, not having the resources or a budget for it is not the end of the conversation. There are many of us who do the work that I do, and we set aside a certain amount of work to do pro bono without, you know, without charging, you know, we may ask for, you know, can you refer me to another company? I'd love to get a testimonial. So uh, not reaching out just because of that, um, I, I don't think that should kind of end the conversation not having the support. This is what I encourage folks to do. Who's in upper management that's a parent? Start with them. Mm. Because what you really need, you only need one ally. You need one person that's a leader or an upper management of some sort that's that's going to give the nod and be like, yeah, I'll get behind that. Start with the working parents because they're already speaking this language among themselves. So that's that's where I would begin. Okay, okay. And some companies have a parent's ERG. Can you say more about what that is? Yes, parent. Uh, parent. Many places have parents and caregivers um, employee resource groups, and basically, what those groups provide is community. They provide community and, and you know, organizations that have a parent, a working parents ERG generally have other ERGs. They may have a women's ERG or, you know, various um, types of employee resource groups, but it's a community so that working parents, one, know that they're not alone so that it becomes uh, it, it humanizes the this parenting experience a little bit more in the workplace Two, it's a great group to for resources to get suggestions ideas childcare doctors or single parents how are you managing what have you found so it creates this community so it creates a sense of care in the workplace god forbid um and the other thing that most of these do is they bring in experts to speak at webinars or lunch and learns or what have you during the workday so Folks can unplug from work for a minute and tap into this 45-minute session on a topic that may be helpful for where they are right now in their working parent journey. Their employee resource groups right now are everything. And if your organization does not have a working parents or a working caregivers employee resource group, that is a, a great place to start. And it's low budget. That That's not going to cost, that's not going to break the bank to start an ERG. So it's an internal group, and is it made up of employees that run it, this group? Yes, it is an internal group made up of, of employees. And here's the other thing. The the members of um, most ERGs don't have to be parent. They can be an ally, right? Because here's the other thing. You may not be a parent today. You may not be a caregiver today, but things change in life. And so you don't even have to necessarily be walking in that in the moment. But yes, it is um, internal, made up of employees, run by employees. Um, and so that is the other upside of having experts come in to speak because it minimizes the fact that this employee now has their job, their family. Now this other thing that they've got to like tap dance to and, and entertain people and figure out what we're doing week to week, bring in the experts and let them do it for you so that you're not adding another job to the list of all the things that you have to do. So this group actually facilitates, uh, 
educational seminars. They can bring in speakers. They take care of all of the uh, the things that the working parents need as far as education and support. And they're they're a resource, and they bring in outside resources. So it's pretty much it's sounds like it's free. I mean, there's no cost for this, right? Exactly. There's no cost. Mm, okay. And they're popping up everywhere. Um, I mean, both large and small government and NGO, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah, because, you know, there's always been other types of ERGs for a long time, other other types. And, and so are the parents ERG, is that a fairly new type of ERG? I think it is a fairly new uh, type of ERG. There were some that were in place prior to COVID, but COVID is where we saw the explosion of working parent ERGs for sure. And, you know, we talked about how employees are leaving because of the lack of support. If an employee is not receiving support, but they're not leaving either, they're just, they're staying, they're unhappy, but they're staying because it's a job. What are some of the other risks that companies will face if they don't step up to this? Like if they're not losing employees, but they still have working parents that maybe aren't happy, what are some of the other risks if they don't start, um, you know, putting something in place for support? Well, one of the risks, another term that we've heard a lot about lately is quiet quitting, where you have people giving the bare minimum and watching the clock until they can log off. And what we have found, uh, Best Workplaces for Parents does a study every year. And what we have found is Best Workplaces for Parents, those that get that distinction, who are working towards uh, helping working parents be free from burnout and the stress and overwhelm as much as possible. There are a few statistics we have around this. 35% of these employees are more likely to recommend their employer. Many of them are 20 times more likely to stay at that job. If you lower the stress and the burnout of a working parent, you've probably got an employee for a long time. 12, they are 12 times more likely to adapt to change and they are 10 times more likely to give extra. And the thing that I love about those last two statistics is that when we look at HR studies, many of the concerns of the HR professionals are that people don't want to change and nobody wants to give extra. And so this is a little bit of a cheat sheet, right? How are you supporting and helping your your, your working parents? Because the best places to work organizations these folks are 12 times more likely to change and 10 times more likely to give extra. So I just think we need to begin to realize and think of this as an opportunity and not, you know, another thing we're allowing people to do. It's really an opportunity for organizations and businesses to not only grow, but to have some really healthy workplace culture. So the organizations that are deemed best workplaces is that what they're doing? They've got a lot of support for their working parents. They've got parents ERGs. Are are they doing anything else differently to, to get this designation? They are doing a few different things. So they are also bringing meaning to work, which I find uh, heartwarming. So as an example, my husband used to work for an organization where 
uh, twice a month. He left during the workday to actually go tutor inner city um, school children who were having some issues academically. This was part of the mission of the organization he worked with. So he didn't have to go on a Saturday, right, and leave the family. He was able to do this during the workday. Once the kids left school, they went to this program. My husband was there waiting to receive the young men that came in and provided tutoring. So how how can you connect meaning to the work? How can you, you know, for some organizations, they'll take up a cause or they may, you may see a lot of companies that will participate in different 5Ks or runs and raise money and things of that nature. But bringing meaning to work creates its own culture of care in the workplace as well. So really, organizations could benchmark against some of these others that have been designated best workplace, and they could benchmark and see what they're doing and then try to emulate that. 100%. Absolutely. Mm. If you've just tuned in, we're here with Deborah Porter talking about what companies can do to better support working parents. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about some things that specifically leaders can do if their organizations aren't really stepping up. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm here with subject matter expert Deborah Porter talking about how companies can better support working parents. Deborah, we've been talking a lot about what organizations can do and some of these more successful organizations that have been deemed best workplaces. If companies don't support working parents or if they don't have anything in place, what can leaders do like at the team level? So one of the first things that leaders can do, and we kind of mentioned this a little bit at the at the beginning, is 
take the leave that is offered. Be the example. Because if you're the example, then your team then knows this will not work against them if they do the same thing. So whether it's parental leave, whether it's a kid's soccer game, you know, let folks know, you know what, guys, we're going to cut this meeting a little bit short today. I got a kid and I've got a soccer game that I've got to get to. Make it normal. Be human. Show up, you know, and let folks know I didn't get any sleep because guess what? My kid had another ear infection. Those kinds of conversations from leaders mean a lot to the folks that work with and for them because it shows their human side. And so making this more human is really uh, going to go a long way. There's been an argument about if employees or working parents are given too much flexibility, too much understanding, too much compassion, that they are going to take advantage of it. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I think that's an insult to the working parents everywhere, because I think there are a few things that working parents want their employers to know. One is they are committed to their jobs. The other is they simply need understanding concerning obligations or family obligations without being stigmatized. Another thing that working parents want folks to know is that they want family-friendly and family-aware policies and benefits. We like to throw that term around, like we're a family-friendly organization. When's the last time you really examined your policies to see if that's so? And then to see if those policies are actually meeting the needs of the working parents that you have there. And so, you know, they simply wish for a care-focused, supportive work culture that is inclusive and diverse and accepting of all families and all that having a family comes with. And I love what you said earlier. You said that, you know, you might not be a parent yet. You might not be a caregiver yet. So really a person has to suspend judgment because they may be in that situation in the future with either children or grandchildren or an aging parent or something like that. So I think the the compassion and the empathy uh, definitely goes a long way. It does. And, you know, let me tell you a quick story. There was a lady that I was working with and before I began working with her, she had made the decision she didn't want to have children and absolutely respected her right. However, sadly, her sister passed and she became the guardian of three children. Wow. So you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you just don't know. You don't know what may be ahead for you. You don't know what the future may have in store for you. You don't know. Mom and dad may be great right now. You don't, you just don't know. And so the idea that we are creating these cultures of care, it benefits everyone. It's not just parent focus. It really does benefit everyone. You know, we've talked a lot about things that would be helpful to working parents, what would you say, like, is there one one thing in particular that you think working parents need right now? You know, I think part of the biggest struggle for working parents right now is the availability of childcare and the cost of childcare. 
And I know that companies really can't step in to save the day on that one. But can we think outside the box a little bit about our benefits and the benefits package? Is there a way to offer some type of childcare stipend? Is there a way to partner with a local or nearby childcare facility and offer a discount to your people? You know, it's part of this is we have not because we don't ask, right? There, there, there may be opportunities right in front of us that we're just not looking at. The other thing I would say is that uh, there's another statistic that suggests 68% of employees are not familiar with what all of their benefits include. And, uh, you know, I'm sad to say that we are, my husband and I are guilty of the same. I just found out a month ago that our benefits include either of us or both of us working with a nutritionist with no out-of-pocket costs at all. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that. But when I saw that statistic, I thought, I'm going to dig into our benefits and see what we're missing out on. So I think this idea of reviewing every now and again, what benefits may be highlighted, you know, in a newsletter every month or something, what is included in the benefits. And especially when someone announces that they're pregnant or, or expecting a child, have someone from HR reach out and say, hey, congratulations, just want to remind you, these are all the goodies that you get with that. I think it's just it's just important to help people know what's available to them. Yeah, that is a great idea for HR to reach out. And that is something that is just a, you know, a gesture of compassion and FYI, letting them know and doesn't take a whole lot of time. Uh, and I remember when I was a single parent, daycare was the biggest hurdle for me also yeah. because it's finding quality care and and a lot of research goes into that and making sure that it's a safe place for the children to be and then i i always had trouble at times with uh the day daycare or the person providing daycare suddenly saying she couldn't do it anymore and mm -hmm. then having to find somebody else uh if i had to work overtime which i did a lot as a single parent finding mm -hmm. someone who would continue to watch them while I was working overtime. So it's, um, and, and when my daughters started having children, it was the same thing for them, just a, a different era, you know, 30 years later, yeah. um, same problem. So it does sound like that uh, the daycare issue is, is still there and still a problem. Do you have any success stories from companies that you've worked with uh, that you've seen when they start supporting working parents? Can you share anything like that with us? Yeah, so I've uh, recently, um, I'm in the middle of a contract right now, and we've touched on a couple of different topics uh, as far as what, what we've been working on. And the feedback that this company is getting is uh, employees saying things like, thank you for allowing me to show up as my whole self and not count it against me. Mm. Thank you for creating a space during the workday for me to get this kind of information and not just giving it to me and saying, watch it on your own time, because that still pulls time from my family. So again, I think it's a refreshing um, care focused opportunity to just show your folks that, you know what, we really do care about you as a whole person, not just what you are developing or doing for us. 
Because if you don't think what's going on at home is impacting your workers, you are really in a blind spot. You want folks that are able to come in and to focus. I had one uh, company actually just have me as part of their benefits package as a parent coach. So I had virtual office hours a couple of days a week that they could pop in and say, you know what, I'm having this issue. Can you help me with this issue? Or you know what, I've got this teenager that won't even talk to me. Do you have any suggestions or ideas on how I can connect with my teenager? Think very small gestures, but they go a long way. Mm. And you mentioned earlier that one of the ways companies can connect meaning to work is through, like you gave the example of allowing people to go and volunteer during work hours. What else can companies do to really connect meaning to work? Because it it is important. I mean, I think if employees are just showing up at work, doing the job and going home, they're checking a box. But if their employer can create situations or scenarios that are important to the values of their employees, I think that will help with retention also. Do you have some other suggestions as to what companies can do? I think a great place to start is what is the vision or mission of the organization? And how can you connect that with a vision or mission of a nonprofit of some sort, hopefully in your community? Because if you can impact your community, then now you don't just have happy employees, but you have a happy community that they're glad that you're there as well. So review your vision and your mission. Find out how and where it connects with a with a nonprofit in your city or in your state. And then, you know, send out a survey to your folks and ask them, What are some nonprofits or organizations that are special to you? You might find that what you need and what you're looking for is right there. And and then create these opportunities that can be not just family friendly, but a work-life integration where the whole family can participate. So you're, you're habit stacking here, right? You're talking about offering, you know, meaning and and in work, you're supporting your community and you're allowing people to get some family time in. So that is like a, a, you know, home run. How can our listeners find you and find out more about your work? Oh, thank you, Monique. So the easiest and quickest way would be to go to my website, which is deborahporter.net. Okay, great. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. My guest today has been work-life balance expert, Deborah Porter. Deborah, many, many thanks for being here today. And as always, everyone can jump over to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you've got many options. You can register for my blog that comes out twice a month. You can go to my resource page, which has a lot of downloadable resources for leaders. Many of them are on the topics that we talk about on this show. And you can sign up for all of my social media so that you can keep up with what I'm doing, with the work I'm doing with leaders and the volunteer work I'm doing with leaders and the guests that are coming on the show. So thank you again for listening. We will talk again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. 
Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.